The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I'm excited to do that. I love the 4th of July. Now, when you're in my position, it can be tough sometimes when holidays roll around because you want to to go with the holiday theme. And and there's something really special about the 4th of July and the idea of the Declaration of Independence. And and it's really hard not to, to play that card when this weekend rolls around. But I felt something stirring in my spirit that I wanted to bring this morning that's outside of that. So, if you were expecting, you know, to hear of the uh, Declaration of Independence and the wonders of the Scripture and the freedom that comes in Jesus, well, we're going to hear that, but it's going to be in a different package, uh, and I want to talk about something really specific this morning. I want to play a little Jeopardy with you. Now, do I get any points for saying Jeopardy and not Jeopardy, right? I, so Jeopardy, I want to play a little Jeopardy. Are you familiar with the game, Right? Uh, so that game is a game in which, uh, uh, you know, you have the questions and answers flip-flopped, right? So I want to give you the answer, and I want to ask you to, you know, to give uh, the question. So you don't have to say it out loud. You can just let the wheels turn there. But, but I want to give this <clears throat> as the answer. It is mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, or withstand danger, fear, or difficulty? Again, I'm going to give the answer. Of course, your, your response would be, you know, what is blank, right? So, mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, or withstand danger, fear, or difficulty? Oh, you're pretty good. I think you, I mean, I think it's pretty synonymous with that. Courage. You got, we got a courage over here. So, those two words could be interchangeable, right? So here's one of the things that I want us to look at here. The ability to to handle challenges that come our way is going to require the ability to withstand or to endure. The Scripture uses words like faith. The Scripture also uses words like courage. And you'll see the word courage used a lot in Scripture. I want to look at this for the purpose of stirring in our lives the ability to bring about the solution that's necessary in the things that we face. I mean, there's a lot of things that I deal with day to day and working with the people that I work with, dealing with with people in the community, uh, having conversations with individuals that are facing uh, circumstances that are difficult. There's a need to be able to endure. There's a need to be able to to venture and to to continue to press and move. There's a constant temptation uh, to fold and to give in, to yield and that would be the, the absolute opposite of what we've been called to do. In the words of Jesus, the call is to overcome. Or he would say, blessed are the overcomers, blessed are those who endure to the end. These are the things that we should take note of and realize that my life lived out as a believer is going to require overcoming. It's going to require enduring. It's going to require being able to have the mental and the moral strength to venture and persevere, to withstand the danger and the fear and the difficulty that might be faced. And so I want to look at a few passages of Scripture to see the importance of these things and to see where these things exist so that we can access them. I want to be very intentional. I've done a lot of things right. I've done a lot of things wrong. One thing I want to do, I don't want to be right on accident. You know, It's okay when that happens. That's a good thing. But I want to be intentional. 
I want to be able to take the direction that we have in the scripture, apply it to my life, and get the promised results. And I want that for you as well. So here's a few things that we're going to find in the scripture as we we move forward together in the word this morning. I like to offer these things as kind of milestones to help stay engaged, maybe even stir some anticipation. One, we're going to find out what God commands. You know, I mean, I'm not talking specifically like the Ten Commandments or anything along those lines, but we're going to see something that God commands, and we're going to apply a little bit of context in the Scripture there to that command for the purpose of seeing it uh, magnified in our life. Uh, A second thing that we're going to find is what God is filling us with and why. What God is filling us with and why. Now, God's paid a very high price to bring things into our lives. I mean, it's a, it's a wonder to read the gospel, to see, you know, the, the sending of Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a fancy word for saying to take your place on the cross. And to see him, you know, be raised up from the grave and ascend to heaven and pour out the Holy Spirit. I mean, all of this is for you to bring wonderful things into your life that you need. We're going to see what he's filling us with and why. And a third thing that we're going to find is what opens up the door for the glory of God. What opens up the door for the glory of God in any situation or any circumstance. Now, the glory of God is is an interesting word. I mean, it's kind of a fancy word. I I really don't use that word a whole lot in my day-to-day vocabulary. But when you consider the, the power of God delivering and and bringing about salvation, really and truly, that is the glorious power of God. It is the glory of the Lord. You can see it throughout the scripture, and we'll we'll find a spot today where we'll see what brings God's glory in and through our lives. So as we get into the word here, I want to drop right in, and I want to identify what God is commanding. And I want to get a little bit of context with this so that we understand it correctly. If we don't get this right, it can throw things off. So it's worth taking a little bit of time. If you want to write it down in your notes or you want to go in your, your Bibles, you can turn there. The scriptures come from the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. I want to look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I want to build a little context here because this needs to apply to our lives. It's not just about reading history. It's about seeing an example that God would give us to live by. So Joshua is a, an individual that has a calling on his life to do the will of God. Now, Let me just go ahead and connect the dots here. You are an individual that has a calling on your life to do the will of God. So everything that God is going to speak to Joshua in in this situation is something that would apply to your life. Now the call that Joshua has on his life is is a powerful call, a tremendous call to see great things come to pass. None of these things will happen by accident. They're going to take tremendous effort. And God's instruction, or his command rather, in Joshua 1, 9 involves being courageous. He says this, he says, have I not commanded you, question mark, be strong and courageous, exclamation point. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, when you read through scriptures like this, you know, there's wonderful things that you can consider. I mean, if you could take this passage of scripture and allow every thought in your mind to be filtered through that truth, You would live a life free from anxiety and fear. You would live a life that would be established on the firm foundation that there's nothing to be worried about, that when we are walking in God's will, the anointing of his calling upon our lives will prevail over anything that we face. I mean, the instruction to not tremble, to not fear, to be at peace, so to speak, 
I mean, in the word that I'll use a lot day to day is relax, relax. Sometimes I'll be in conversation and, and, you know, you say things, quirky things, you know, that maybe don't translate, but I'll say things like, hey, take a breath. Hey, relax. Be at peace. Now, it's just a, a more common way to say, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Now, if we were to go and say that to people, they might think we're a little odd, right? I mean, somebody comes into your office and they're freaking out and you say, uh, let not your heart be troubled. They're probably going to think, uh, did you not take your meds this morning? You know, my liege. <laughs> it was going to be a little bit awkward, right? But all that you're seeing here is that there's this call upon our lives to, to have the perspective of victory, to see that God is with us, that God is for us, that the command or the instruction, rather, is to be courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Now, then the idea of command, you know, you're going to interpret that word according to life experience. When I read the scripture, I read the scripture and I interpret it according to my life experience. You know, many of us have had different upbringings. We've had different parental styles raising us up. Some of us would read the word command and it would immediately provoke thoughts or feelings of tyranny. Some of us would read the word command and it would just simply provoke thoughts and feelings of instruction. It's very important that we know and understand the heart of God when we read the scripture or else we can misinterpret the motive, we can misinterpret the intention, we can misinterpret uh, the desired result. This isn't a, a God who's fed up with what he's seeing and, and has lost his temper and lost his cool and is saying, have I not commanded you? I mean, it's not a passive way to accuse of, of foolishness or stupidity, but rather when God comes and he speaks, we need to understand his heart. I want to give you an example in order to apply to this passage of scripture. Now, we're going to have to pull, I think you'd find it in Mark chapter 4, but let's consider Jesus calming a storm. He's in the boat, and the boat is traveling on the water, and a storm rises up, and everyone is freaking out. There's total panic. You know, I mean, thoughts of, of perishing are prevailing, and everyone is, is just losing their mind. And then Jesus is brought into the situation, and he commands the storm to be still. Now, it's an interesting thing to consider. I mean, what does it mean when Jesus commands the storm? Is, is he just simply a really great communicator? Is he just a really gifted orator and, and, you know, nobody speaks like Jesus? I mean, what happened that he would stand on, on the, the, the edge of the boat and speak into the wind and there would be a response? I mean, there, there are dozens of people along the shore and there's people in the boat and they all can speak. They can, they can speak words. But what was the difference between the words that Jesus would speak and the words that were being spoken? Well, some would say maybe it's the words themselves. Everyone else was panicking, you know, and Jesus spoke to the storm to, to be calm, to be at peace. Others might say, well, it's because he's Jesus. Well, that's true. He's Jesus. But yet God has gone out of his way to make me like Jesus. So as Jesus would minister, it wouldn't be to set him apart as different or unique. Rather, it's the example that I'm meant to follow. The word calls Jesus the apostle meaning he's the example set before us. Everything that we see Jesus doing, we see we have a call to do. The same way he would say, I only do what I see my father doing, he's offering himself as the apostle, the example for our lives. So when he's speaking to that storm, when he's commanding that storm to be still, I have to ask myself, what's going on here? 
Is it just good advice for a change in the weather? Is it just some chance encounter that he happened to say, peace be still, right when the, the last gust of wind blew? It's pretty good luck. Or could it be that when God commands something, he's providing that thing? And when I see the heart of God, I see this as the truth. Because God is not a tyrant. He won't require of you what you're unable to perform. I've worked for men in my life, and there have been men that I loved to work for, and there were men that I hated to work for. And I remember working for one man and making the comment to a coworker, I love working for this guy. And he said, you want to know why? And I thought, that's an interesting thing to ask. Yeah, tell me why. Why do I love working for him? And he said, he'll never ask you to do something that you can't do. And I thought, you know, you're right. Now, God will never ask us to do something that we can't do. When Jesus speaks to that storm and he tells the storm, peace, be still, he's not giving the weather advice. Rather, he is speaking peace into the situation. He's speaking stillness and calmness into the situation. He's making provision for the thing that is needed. Now, when, when God would come and stand before Joshua and say, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, he's not saying, hey, dummy, did we not already talk about this? I mean, get your act together. That's the tyrant. Rather, we have the loving, unconditional love of God, the, the perpetual, perfect Father that's constantly present to make provision for the thing that we need. He's imparting that thing that's needed. Son, have we not commanded this? Have I not commanded this? Be strong, be courageous. He's imparting the thing that's needed. So as God is speaking into our lives, he's imparting the things that we would need to bring his will to pass. And in this case, it's going to be that strength and that courage to endure, that mental and moral strength to venture and persevere without uh, 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 any wavering, the danger and the fear and the difficulty that we'll face. I want to give you a, a couple of passages of scripture here as it concerns courage and, and how we can see God bring courage into our life. I want to give them out of the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 31 verse 24, it's a call, it says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. Now, that passage of scripture right there contains more than would meet the eye when we read it at first. I mean, at first glance, it's a wonderful, encouraging verse that, that sounds like good advice, right? But yet it's more than good advice, it's powerful instruction. One, the idea that the call is on our life to let our heart take courage is to instruct us that courage is a choice. Let your heart take courage is, is to, to let us know that this is an option. It's a, we can face any situation or any circumstance and we're at a crossroads. We can decide, will I be courageous in this moment? Or will I let fear prevail? That's an empowering thing to realize that it's up to us. It should affect how we view the things that we face and we deal with. To realize that every one of the circumstances that we deal with is a crossroads. And we have a decision to make. I will choose to let my heart receive courage. Then that call of all of those who hope in the Lord. It's a really interesting thing that's said there. It's not necessary for, to be tagged on the end of that verse. It could have been left off. But it's on there intentionally and on purpose to, to reveal to us the importance of hope. Now, this is something that I pull from this passage of Scripture, and I want to offer it to you. You're welcome to, to see it from whatever perspective that you like. But when I read this passage of Scripture, I see that hope is the foundation for all courage. 
I mean, if you're in a situation that you would deem hopeless, it's hard to be courageous in that situation. Once hope is gone, courage is lost. But if hope can be imparted, courage can be kindled, and victory can come. So I think this passage of Scripture is really speaking to us much more than just, you know, good advice, but rather instruction to stir hope. To let your heart take courage as you hope in the Lord. Well, let's me know that in situations where courage is going to be necessary, I need to first establish hope. It's not about sitting around attempting to be brave, but rather it's intentionally establishing the hope of the Lord through the Scripture, through prayer, through the spoken word and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life in order to stand firm upon a foundation that cannot be shaken in order to open up the door for courage to exist. Now, hope is an interesting thing. It's an amazing thing. Now, we've said this before, and I want to offer this because it just fits with today's message. There's a big difference between hoping and wishing. And I think you can divide the world into two categories when faced with difficulty. One group can hope, and another group can wish, and there's a big difference between those groups. The definition of hope is, is as follows, to desire with anticipation or expectation or trust. The definition of wish is to desire or to want. So both of these are to desire something. One is, is missing a key element. One is missing the elements of anticipation or expectation. One is missing the element of trust. They both are to desire, but it's only hope that carries with it expectation or anticipation or trust. When we hope in the Lord, it's because we anticipate that He'll do what He said He'll do. When we hope in the Lord, it's because we expect that He'll perform as He's performed in the past, He will do in the future. When we look at the, the, the definition of hope and we hope in the Lord, it's because we trust that He's going to do the things that He's promised. And to be set free from a life of wishing and released into a life of hoping is to open up the door for courage, the courage that's needed to carry out the will of God on our lives. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. I mentioned to you we were going to find what God is filling us with and why. What God is filling us with and why. I want to give that to you here from Romans chapter 15. I want to look at verse 13. Romans 15, 13, it reads like this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I read the passage there, but I want to read it again and, and kind of uh, break it down really quickly because if we don't take our time with this, I think we can miss some really important features in it. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, God is being revealed as the God of hope. That's a wonderful identity. You know, I mean, throughout the sanctuary here, you'll see banners that have, you know, God's identity on them. This is not an absolute collection. The, the word is filled with uh, identities for God, uh, uh, proper names of God, that God has revealed intentionally so that we can know who he is and know his nature, so that we can indeed call upon his name and receive his goodness in our lives. The idea that God is the God of hope, hope being a possessive word, meaning that, that hope belongs to God. When in a situation where hope is needed, I know I should go to God in order to acquire it because He is the one who possesses hope. He's the God of hope. 
The passage of Scripture says that the God of hope is filling me with joy and peace so that I can have hope. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, if I were writing that passage of Scripture, I would think that it would say, now may the God of hope fill you with hope so that you can have hope. But what you see is the God of hope is filling you with joy and peace so that you can have hope. That tells me something. That tells me hope is made of two ingredients. Joy plus peace equals hope. That as God is filling my life with hope, he's going to do so by filling my life with joy and with peace. Now, it's, it's interesting to me that the world is filled with situations and circumstances and ideas and ideologies that are all attacking my joy and my peace. And as my joy is is undermined, as my peace is undermined, my hope begins to fade. I work with some people, some of them are are more interesting than others, that's the one way of saying some of them are more sketchy than others, And, and I was on a job site and a guy was in a situation that he was really in a bind, he needed to borrow my truck. And I thought, man, my wife's going to kill me. So yeah, you can borrow my truck, you know. So I let him borrow my truck, and he brought it back to me. And, and the stereo was ripped out of the dash. And then it was kind of just set back in. And he hands me my keys back, and I get in, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, and I said, man, stereo, what would you do to the stereo? And, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, it, it was like that. I just <laughs> I thought, we got a problem, buddy. But you know what's funny? I mean, all the, the, the feelings and, and frustration of that. I look back now today, and the stereo's just still kind of halfway hanging out of my truck. And I think, buddy, you just did me a favor. And my wife had been telling me, uh, Preston, it's not good that you just soak in the news all day. Because you come home so frustrated and angry about what's going on in the world, it's not healthy. You come home and it's all we talk about. Your sons are watching you just fume over things, and they're not seeing the things they need to see from you. They're they're seeing all of this that's unpleasant and unkind and all this that's just disturbing. You, You need to be careful that you don't just sit and soak in it. And I'm thinking, you know, I need to write that guy a letter. That guy's actually in jail right now, so maybe I should write him a letter and say, hey, man, thanks for ripping the stereo out of my truck. My wife says thanks a lot. Really help, you know. But it's, it's true, it's, it's important. The things that, that we bring into our life are, are going to have an effect on us. Now, God has paid the highest price to bring peace and joy into our life so that there can be hope. And as we see God bringing that into our life, it's a wonderful thing to consider that that's Jesus. Now, Jesus is all things to us. I mean, there's no doubt. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But there are a couple of things that Jesus specifically talks about Often, and interestingly enough, it's peace and it's joy. I mean, in John 14, he he makes it very clear. He says, peace I leave with you. Think about all the things he could have said. He could have said, forgiveness I leave with you, right? Mercy I leave with you. Grace I leave with you. But he goes out of his way to talk about peace. He's the prince of peace. Peace I leave with you, not as the world gives but peace I leave with you. And in John 17, he would talk about the joy as he's praying on your behalf. He's praying and he's offering up his prayers so that we might have his joy and our joy be fulfilled. Think about the words that could have been substituted there. Again, mercy, grace, any good thing from the kingdom of God, but yet joy. God has, has through Jesus, opened up the door for peace, and joy to fill my life. 
the peace of Jesus Christ, no matter what is going on in the world, I have peace because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in Congress. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the Senate. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the White House. However you need to say it, you can say it. Greater is he who's in you. And if you want to simplify it, you can just say, Jesus is greater. That's the peace. And then the resulting joy of that, to know that he's overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Be joyful, for I have overcome the world. God is bringing into my life peace and joy. Not just for the sake of peace and joy, but so that peace plus joy can equal hope. And hope can open up the door for courage. Because when the door is opened up for courage, wonderful things begin to happen. Romans chapter 5 says that courage does not disappoint. Hope resulting in courage brings about satisfaction. Many of your translations will use the word hope. I'll read the passage to you. Tribulation opens up the door for perseverance, and perseverance opens up the door then for proven character. Proven character then opens up the door for hope, and hope will not disappoint. All of the things that God is bringing into our life have a purpose, not just for for comfort. It's more than chicken soup for the soul, but rather it is the equipping so that the power of God can be active and released in and through our lives for His glory, the expansion of His kingdom. And when you see courage present, you see the glory of God released. When you see courage exercised, when you see it spoken, when you see it lived out, you see the power of God released. These are just a few examples from the Scripture. Matthew 9.2 and Matthew 9.22 and Mark 10.49 are just a handful. I mean, it's just so that it doesn't get ridiculous. But all of these are preceding miracles. That Jesus would be in the presence of someone in need and the first words out of His mouth would be, Take courage. Take courage. Matthew 9.2 says, Take courage, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And it's followed by the miraculous. 9.22, Take courage, my daughter. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Mark 10.49, Courage is imparted to the individual who is to stand and to go to be before the Lord. One who has need in their life is first instructed to take courage. Have that hope that God will do what His Word promises will do, He will do. Take that, that courage that has the foundation of hope that opens up the door to not be led by the current circumstances, to not be led by what is presently in front of your face, but to see beyond that to victory and glory. Courage. And then you can see throughout the Scripture that this isn't an accident. This isn't just some coincidence that's interesting to read about in the scripture but rather this is God's design for victory God's design for breakthrough God's design for glory I'll give you a passage of scripture here from Isaiah and we'll close with this I mentioned to you one of the things we'd find is what opens the door for the glory of God in our lives Isaiah 35 I want to read verses 2 through 6 it opens with then they will see the glory of God Now, I like to pause right there and just think there's a lot of places I could apply this. You know, 
places where there's challenge, places where there's difficulty, places where there's conflict. I can look at whatever conflict, whatever challenge, and I can always say, then they'll see the glory of God. Then they'll see the glory of God. Let me read the rest of the scripture here. Then they will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. Now listen to the wording here in verse 3. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the weak. Say to the one who's anxious and fearful, take courage, fear not. Behold, God will come and deliver. God will save. Now verses 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap up like the deer. Then the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. Then waters will break out in the wilderness. Then there will be streams of refreshing in the desert. Then. Now there's a lot of areas in my life where I want to see that breakthrough. Where I can spend my, my, my prayer time you know, pursuing that breakthrough. We need that refreshing in that dry place. We need that, that vision where there's no vision. We need that release. We need that transformation. We need that miracle. And I can pray and pray and pray for that, and that's really a noble thing to do. But what I see here in the Scripture is that that miracle is the result of something coming first. And that first thing that's to come is the impartation of courage. What an interesting thing to consider that we can take that into our prayer life. Father, stir the peace of Jesus Christ and the joy of Jesus Christ in my life that courage would prevail in this situation and let the result of that courage be the breakthrough that you've called me to bring. Let the result of that courage be the miracle and the victory that you've called into existence in Jesus. God hasn't called us to be beggars Please provide a miracle. Please do this for us. He's equipped us to be victorious. He's put inside of us the joy and the peace that's meant to come together, making the foundation of hope to open the door for courage to see every wonderful and miraculous thing of heaven imparted in and through our lives to this world to be just like Jesus. It's pretty awesome. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray... I want to ask God to do something in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. No matter how long we've been believers, no matter how much we've studied the Word of God, no matter how strong our fellowship is with the Holy Spirit and within the body of Christ, God is constantly at work in us. That's His promise. That He began this wonderful work and He's going to see it all the way through. That means there's not a person in the room that He's not working in right now. And I want to see this word have an effect on us. It'll have different effects on on different ones of us in different measures. But no matter what, I want everyone in the room to have some kind of impartation by the Holy Spirit that we leave here better than we came in. A stronger sense of the value of joy and peace. A, A willingness to defend it. I'm glad that guy ripped my stereo out because it was touching my peace and my joy. And it was diminishing my hope. He did me a favor by eliminating that discouraging voice that I was soaking in hours every day. I want to be smart. I want to make choices and decisions that protect and cherish peace and joy, knowing that those are the two ingredients for hope. And that hope is necessary for victory. 
And I want to ask God to stir those things in each of us, that we can be intentional in our pursuit of the things of his kingdom and the victory that he's called us to. So there where you stand, I want to pray. You're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or simply uh, join with me in an attitude of receiving. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the provision of Jesus Christ in all things. That you've opened up the door. That you've released to us the spring of peace and joy that will never run dry. Let us cherish and protect peace and joy. That we would have those ingredients ever present for ourselves and for those around us to have hope. That we wouldn't simply live a life of wishing, but that we would be a people of hope. That we would stand firm with anticipation, expectation, and trust that you will perform, that you will deliver, that your word is true and will come to pass. And let this be manifest in and through our lives in courage. And just as you have commanded in the past, let that command ring out in our hearts, that impartation that you would make provision for every one of our needs, speaking to us individually, my son, my daughter, be strong and courageous. And let that impartation flood over our hearts and minds right now. And let it dissolve anxiety. Let it cast out fear. And let it release each one of us into the full measure of celebration and gratitude that you're worthy to receive. We bless your name and we thank you for your goodness. We rejoice in the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let our lives be lived out with courage to your glory, the expansion of your kingdom. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.